as many of you probably know, is 9-11. And no history needs to be given. I don't, I don't have to show you pictures. Uh, you probably know, the minute I say 9-11, images come into your head. Um, especially if you were alive and paying attention to the world at that time. No videos need to be shown. Just two numbers became so powerful in our history. Just nine, 11. Just two numbers. Two numbers evoke images, feelings. When placed together, they're powerful in our head and our heart. If you didn't realize that 9-11 is now an official United States holiday, it's called Patriot Day. According to Britannica.com, Patriot Day is the holiday observed in the United States on September 11 to commemorate the lives of those who died in the 2001 terrorist attacks on the World Trade Center in New York City and the Pentagon in Virginia and those who perished when the hijacked United Airlines Flight 93 crashed in Pennsylvania. The holiday also recognizes those who died attempting to rescue people trapped by the attacks. By a joint resolution of the United States Congress on December 18, 2001, September 11th was designated as Patriot Day. The resolution calls for the President of the United States to issue a yearly proclamation requesting that all U.S. flags be flown at half-staff. Further, Americans are asked to honor the dead with a moment of silence beginning at 8.46 a.m. Eastern Time, the time the first airplane struck the World Trade Center, and to respect ceremonies of remembrance when they are concluded. According to the dictionary, a patriot, it's Patriot Day, a patriot is a person who vigorously supports their country and is prepared to defend it against enemies or detractors. When I read that definition, I will say, I am a patriot. The United States is not perfect. The nation's morals do not always match up with mine. I don't agree with all the views and voting records of my elected officials, but I love the United States of America. I love my freedom, and I would be willing to defend her against enemies or detractors. I probably won't get to anymore since I'm about to be 42, but... But I would, if needed. Maybe they could use my brains, but there's not much there either, so. <laughs> I know that there's some here today, or watching online, and you love two places. You may have been born in another country and have since called the United States of America home. Chances are, I know that some of you here today, I would even ask, because I think it's a proud moment you say, but maybe not everybody would, I don't know, would want to say that, but maybe you've even gone as far as to pursue citizenship papers in two places. Dual citizenship or dual nationality means being a citizen of two countries simultaneously and sharing the rights and responsibilities of the citizens of each country. Not every country allows dual citizenship, and the rules vary among those that do. But the United States is a country that does allow this. You can be a citizen of another country while also living in the United States and being a citizen here, too. And today, I just want to speak on this topic, dual citizenship. 
Lord Jesus, we love you. We are so grateful for what we've already felt. You're, you're just so amazing. You're so powerful. You're so incredible, God. Words can't express just what we feel when we sing songs of worship and you meet us here and just touch our lives, God. I pray that you would anoint your word in my lips today, Lord, that you would speak through me and let our hearts and minds be open in your name. And Lord, I pray one more thing. Lord, whoever's checking their fantasy football team on opening weekend, let their team lose. Amen. Don't let them check it during church, Jesus. So many people have great affection, even pride, for the place in which they live. Often, you love it so much that all the other places and people in other, in other parts, they are found lacking in comparison. I will confess today in this pulpit that I have found myself, after living for about 13 years in Kansas City, I found myself doing this somewhat with barbecue. <laughs> I'll go back to Wisconsin and somebody said, hey, you want to go grab some barbecue? I'm like, I'm like, you can keep your dickies, okay? <laughs> I remember I went to Wisconsin recently, and they were so proud. They, they wanted to take me. Oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to blank now. Oh, they wanted to take me to what place? It's a nationwide chain. I can't remember the name of it now. Famous Dave's. You are on the money, buddy. Thank you. They said, you want to go to Famous Dave's? I was like, what is wrong with you? I have, I mean, we have the pit master of Q39 that goes to our church, okay? I don't need famous days. And, uh, and so God hates pride, and so I need to pray. But I'm pretty proud of Kansas City Barbecue. When I first moved here, I used to be pretty proud of the Packers, too. They won the Super Bowl the first year I moved here, uh, but I don't talk much anymore. And so I saw a meme that once said, where's the best barbecue in St. Louis? And the meme said, jump on I-70, <laughs> head west for about four hours, and pull out at your first exit, and you'll find the best barbecue in St. Louis. <laughs> you know, we find that this happens when someone, somebody, I once heard it said, when I first started Passion, I said, one of the, one of the biggest successes, I talked about this at our lunch today, one of the biggest biggest factors of success in pastoring is falling in love with where you live. I'm forever grateful for Milwaukee, Wisconsin, what was invested in me. I miss people. I love people there. And people will say things like, oh, it'll always be home. And uh, I love Milwaukee. I love the church I grew up in. I love the people that I grew, grew up with very much. And, I, and I, I'm, we're going to go preach there in November. Um, but I would not say that it's home anymore. My home is Liberty, Missouri. And I've seen, I've seen people sometimes, we're in a metro area, so people move in, move out. It's always more fun when they move in than when they move out, but we've had both. And I've seen sometimes people will come and they'll, they'll, they'll constantly talk about the way things were back home. The way things were back home. Oh, I just, the way things were back home. And, 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 and 
here's the thing. If somebody doesn't snap out of that at some point, you're going to be miserable. Because I really believe that although you can embrace your roots of what was invested in you, or even food and things like that, if you don't grow where you're planted, it's very difficult to find true peace and joy and, and, and walk in God's calling for your life. And so what does scripture say about how we should feel and react to the land wherein God has put us? Because God has ordered all of our steps. You might be watching online and thinking, I stumbled across this message, but I don't agree with the fact that you stumbled across this message. I think some of you that are sitting in these seats here today, you are not sitting here because you just accidentally came into this church. God does not, he does not, for, or he does, he, we don't believe in predestination where no matter what you do, you have no choice in your outcome. That's not what we believe, but God does have a plan. And his plan for your life, it, it obviously includes something with the greater Kansas City area and even refuge church as a local community of believers. And so he ordered you in this country and all nations are set up by God for the purposes of God. Job 12, 23 says, he increaseth the nations and destroyeth them. He enlargeth, enlargeth the nations and straighteneth them. While it can be a source of pride to live in a nation by the people, for the people, we must always remember that every country, every nation, every government on earth is first and foremost by God and for God. And so, as Job says, God brings nations into being, uses them for his divine plan, and that he also replaces them. We've seen it throughout human history. And so, that's interesting, too, because how many people, you got any, anybody in your family that is, is, is uh, German? Anyone in your family that's Polish? Anyone in your family that is uh, Mexican? Anybody in your family have any Amalekites or Hittites? What about Jebusites or Parasites? I knew that was coming. I didn't even need a spiritual gift to know that was coming. The nation of Israel is the only nation in human history to have been completely dispersed to the four corners of the earth and reborn as a nation. Because usually, God's hand is upon them, but usually when a nation is destroyed, their purpose, they cease to exist. And so, uh, God rises up. We've seen this throughout, throughout Scripture. God used Assyria to punish Israel for its disobedience. Then God used Babylon to destroy Assyria for her sin. God had Babylon invade Judah as a punishment for Judah's sin. Then God raised up Persia to punish Babylon. Now, I know we sit back. We, we sometimes are going, I'm scared. What about this and this person? How'd they win the elect? Why would God let? I don't, I don't have a clue. Half the time, I'm asking the same questions you are. But God rises up. God sits down. God creates. God destroys. And all things are in God's hands. And so it's God who orders these things. Nations only exist and act to further the sovereign will of God. I know we, we can maybe struggle with that. Like, really? Nations only exist to further the sovereign will of God. 
And Scripture tells us that all nations, everybody, will eventually bow before Christ. Philippians 2, 9 through 11 says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, there's that powerful name, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Regardless of the level of power or influence of any nation or people, everyone will bow before Jesus Christ. I would just love to be one who does it voluntarily right now. He's the only king of heaven. He's also the king of the earth. And although I am a patriot of the United States of America, and I am a citizen of this great country, this next scripture is my anthem, and that is Philippians 3.20. It says, but we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as Savior. When I read that, I would say that when, when we get mixed up in life and we get distracted, discouraged, frustrated, angry, down, it's because somewhere we forgot this scripture. Because we got consumed with, and that's not anything bad. I mean, I'm a citizen of the United States. I love this country. I would be willing to fight and die for this country. But I know first and foremost, I am a citizen of heaven. And so when I, if I get frustrated, discouraged, confused, it's because I, I forgot for a minute that, you know what? Where I'm actually living right now is not my eternal home. This is not it. I'm a citizen of the United States, but first and foremost, heaven. I love my people. Ephesians 2.19 says, So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. And so when I say I love my people, I'm not talking about people who have German last names like Dornbach. Or as some people would call me, Dornback. Or as friends would be rude in school and call me Dorkbach. Kevin's like, I got a new one to mess with. No, I don't. No. I'm not talking about people who have the same exact color, tone, and melatonin as I do. <laughs> or mel melatonin. No, I just said the wrong. Melatonin. I just said the wrong word. Melatonin, that's, that's, yeah, I want to get some of that later for my kids, but no. So, no, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about that when I look around, I read this scripture, I look around at my family today. I look around, and that's what I love, that I can go out and I see different last names and different cultures and different skin colors and different socioeconomic backgrounds and different education levels and, and different upbringings and different personal stories and testimonies. And I look and I say, this is my family. This is, this is what I'm a part of. And so... They were no longer, when Paul writes to, to the Ephesian church, they were no longer just known as Gentiles. 
They were now citizens of heaven. At that point, in, in that day, Gentiles, that wasn't like a celebrated thing among the Jewish people. The Jewish, they, there had to be some meetings and some discussion about, are we even going to let these people in the church? Can they have the same experiences that, that we did? Thank God for Paul. He really stood up and was like, yes. And so they were no longer just Gentiles. They were citizens of heaven, citizens with a multitude of spirit-filled believers. And so you know what? We are dual citizens. I'm a patriot, but I'm also a child of the king. God has put us under our nation's authority. And Romans 13.1 says everyone must submit to governing authorities, for all authority comes from God. I don't want you to think I'm preaching anarchy or something. I'm not saying that because we are called in that, that those positions of authority have been placed there by God. God God placed authority in our lives that ranges from his own authority to the authority of the nation. And we need to teach our children this because they're going to learn authority at some point. If they don't learn it in the home as a child, they'll learn it at school. If they miss it at school, they'll learn it on the sports team. They'll learn it in the workplace. If not, they're going to learn it in a prison cell. And so we're going to learn authority somewhere in our life. And so 1 Peter 2, 16 and 17 says, For you are free, yet you are God's slave. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Respect the king. And so it was a life, like you're supposed to live your life this way, knowing that you walk with dignity. Understand the, 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 the authority that's in your life on all levels. And since we're created by God, we give ourselves to him above everything and everyone else. This does not mean that we sit idly without any interaction with our government. My goodness, I would love to have more spirit-filled believers in government. It doesn't mean we have a license to disobey laws of the land. At the moment, we're dual citizens. As followers of Christ, we're not of this world because Christ himself has made it clear that this world was not his home. And so Matthew 8, 19 and 20 says, then one of the teachers of religious law said to him, teacher, I'm gonna follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in, birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. Scripture makes this abundantly clear in Hebrews 13, 14. It says, for this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. And I read that scripture and I, and I want to say, yes, that's me. But you know what? Not every day of my life is that me. Why? Because the things, and leave that scripture up, please. But because the things of this world are, are, are addicting, they're consuming. When you are waking up and, you're, and you're, your alarm's going off and you're going, oh, that's right, I gotta, gotta get my prayer time in and fasting and I'm trying to do exercise and I'm trying to make sure that my kids get to where they need to be and sign them up for this and the deadline was due and my boss needs this or I am the boss and I gotta call the meeting or I'm late for my meeting or I gotta get to school, gotta further myself and we're trying to do all these things which are not sinful in themselves in most of these cases, not sinful to sign your child up for a sport or to, to, to get a promotion or to call a meeting or to go work out and exercise. I mean, all these things can be good things, but what happens is at times we're so consumed with everything that's going on at our address, where we are in our neighborhood, on our workplace, with our retirement, with our family, with our kids, that we can get to the point where all of a sudden all these things are distracting us more than anything else. And we forget, hold on a second, this world is not even my home. This is, this is not even the place where I'm going to be. My life is but a vapor. It's here today, gone tomorrow. Blow out a candle, watch that little smoke go off into the air. That's our life. 
And so, you know what? It doesn't matter how bad someone's wronged you. Don't hate them. It doesn't matter how sick you are. And I know sometimes we could say, man, I'm just so discouraged with my physical body. It's breaking down. Guess what? You're going to get an eternal body where there'll be no more pain, no more sorrow, no more suffering. And so some days I can step back and go, whoa, these, these 70, 80, 90, 100 years that I'm going to have here on this earth if God tarries, it's going to be but a vapor when I look at the bigger picture, the big scope and go, when I get to heaven, there is going to be no alarm clock. There's going to be no ending time. The party doesn't stop. It's not like when you're a child and you go, okay, so-and-so's parents are on their way to get them. And, you know, if you've ever had kids at your house, you know that's a terrible time. No! Hey, you guys have been hanging out for the last 36 hours. Why are you whining? Because we never want it to end. Well, everything always ends. A good dinner ends. A good church service ends. I know sometimes my messages feel like they're never ending, but they end. (laughs) Good things end. But when we get to heaven, there is no period. There is no exclamation point. There is no, it, it, it goes on forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. We are always in the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And, and, and if you can stop and try and remember that. Have you ever tried, has anyone ever tried to go eternity? Eternity. Okay, so let me our finite minds can't hand, we can't, has anyone tried to do this? And just at the moment we were like, hang on, I think I, like you, you can't. Because it just, it never stops. It never ends. But yet, so many people will live their lives for the 60, 70, 80 years they have on this earth that are temporary. And say, it's not worth living according to his word so I can be with him for eternity. Instead, I want to focus on this right here. And the irony is, people will pour themselves, every ounce of their being, skip church to go work and pour themselves into a career. That at best, if you started your career when you were 20... You got, what, 45 years max? And at some point, you might be 40, 50, 60. They find some up-and-comer that has greater education, and, and, and you get set aside. And we're, we're skipping the things that are eternal. Oh, I'm going to skip church to go take my kids to play sports and do this stuff. Sign your kids up for sports. I just coached a game last yesterday. But don't do it in the place of the eternal things. What kind of message do we send our kids when we're taking them away from eternal things to put them in temporary things? Don't do it. The house of God and worship, that has to take precedence over every other thing. So our kids go, oh, no, hey, I'd love to be a part of that, but I know First and foremost, eternity matters more to me than becoming a professional athlete, which you want to go ahead and look at the statistics of that? Your kid might be good. 
chances are he and she is not that good. And so it's not our permanent home. All the things that we see right now are eventually going to be destroyed. That's scripture. We must never lose track of the eternal things because of the press of the immediate. The world's not our home. Look at Peter in his second letter in, in 2 Peter 3, verse 7. He says, and by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord. And you know, when you're in the middle of a problem, your, your, your spouse or your, uh, your, uh, your boyfriend or girlfriend breaks up with you young people, right now you're going, oh, no, no, no. Yeah, you know what? You might feel like, oh, my Lord, this is never going to end. It's horrible. And it is. My wife broke up with me once for a little while. Ask her about it. That was, it was devastating. You feel like in that moment you go, by the way, that was when we were dating, not married, just so you know. <laughs> just wanted to clarify that. And I'm probably going to have to go hang out at Kevin's house this afternoon for that comment. But you know what? There's things that happen in our lives that feel so permanent. They feel so huge. They feel so big. I lost the job, I flunked the test, the boyfriend broke up, but whatever it is, you become adults and the problems still, they seem huge. The car broke down, I don't have the money to fix it. And sometimes we get so consumed. The person I work with, they're just impossible and the person's my boss, I can't stand it, but I have nowhere else to go. Things just get huge. But when you step back and go, hang on, I'm not going to say I'm just going to sit on a couch and not care about anything. I'm going to do everything wholeheartedly as unto the Lord. I want to try to do everything with excellence. I'm going to work hard. But at the end of the day, I can only control the things that I can control. And guess what? You really don't control anything. He says, if you just put me first above everything and everyone else, you put me number one. He says, I'll take care of everything else. But we go, amen, that's good. And then we leave this place with good intentions until something happens. And we say, hang on, Lord, let me help you out with that. <laughs> and he's going, okay, well, I, I, was, I had a plan. I was working, but you go ahead and try and figure it out. And you know what I found he does a better job than I do. And I've found that from making the mistakes a number of times of trying to help him and take it from his hand and put it back in my hand. But, but if I step back and go, hang on, hang on a second, this world and all the things that right now are weighing me down and stressing me, no, no doubt some of you walked in and there are things on your mind right now that are stressing you, weighing you down. You're not sure about what's going to happen. And when you step back and go, man, that's a big deal here. But eternally, that ain't a big deal. Yeah, but what if I die? 
it still isn't a big deal eternally. Because, guess what? As, whenever I pass, whenever that is, hopefully it's a little bit down the road. I'd like to see my kids grow up and everything. We smile, but I don't know. We're not promised tomorrow. But hopefully when I pass, I can go, you know what? That was the last moment as I lived this earth. But now my next conscious moment is in the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords forever and ever and ever and ever. And I hope that the only thing that lives on in this life is not my retirement account. Hopefully it's people's lives who I've invested in, touched and impacted and loved that say, you know what, I want to go make disciples and make a difference. Hopefully something that we leave behind is more than just a retirement account. But he says, he says, look around, these things are going to be destroyed. The Lord is not slack concerning, not slow concerning his promise, verse 9. No, he's being patient for your sake. Wow. God's not, God's not holding this off for anything other than he's being patient for our sake. He says he does not want anybody to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise. We don't hear this preach too much anymore, do we? Heavens are going to pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live. Right now, the thing that is consuming our our thought process on this earth right now, it is not going to last forever. That's called having eternal perspective, right? Looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. There it is again. You want to live the most incredible life? Continue to look forward to the day. I can't wait. Oh, it's been a... T I, I, one pastor said, I don't have bad days anymore. I have bad moments, and then they just pass. Because if I could just say, Lord, come quickly. Lord, it's a struggle, but man, God, I can't wait to be in your presence forever. Oh, God, this is a real challenge. Ain't nobody saying that we're not going through real stuff. It's tough, challenging, agonizing stuff at times. But when I can step back and go, yeah, but I ain't going to be here forever no matter what. I can't wait to be in his presence forever. We're looking forward to the new heavens and new earth he's promised, verse, uh, verse 13. He says, a world filled with God's righteousness, verse 14. And so, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. And remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. This is what our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him. 
And later, John writes in his end time vision, Revelation 21.1, he says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Because Peter just said that the old one's going to be destroyed. He says, I see a new heaven and a new earth. For the old heaven and old earth are disappeared and the sea also was gone. And look at the words spoken even in the Old Testament by the prophet Isaiah 65.17. He says, look, I'm creating new heavens and a new earth and no one will even think about the old ones anymore. There is just this absolute uh, symmetry that goes from Old Testament into New Testament. This is not just some wives' tale out there. This is not folklore. This is exactly what is going to happen. He says, I'm not coming back. I'm giving people a chance to be saved. But one day there's a day coming that the earth is going to be destroyed. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. There's going to be a catching away of the saints. And so he's saying, live right until that day. It's going to happen. The Old Testament spoke of it. The New Testament spoke of it. And today we are sitting here awaiting the second coming of Christ. So that's going to call us away to our real and eternal home. And even though we are citizens of the United States, Scripture reminds us that this was never supposed to be the place that we focus on more than what's on the horizon. 1 Peter 2.11 says, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. So if we know that I'm not going to be here long, then I don't want to get caught up with the things of this earth that is temporary that could possibly get me to get consumed with temporary things and miss out on eternal things. Our citizenship is in heaven, and now we await our Savior to transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body. 1 Corinthians 15, 51, but let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will be all transformed. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye. Just blink your eye. Wow. The blink of an eye. When the trumpet is blown, there's that trumpet. When the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. Those who are living will also be transformed. Right now, you brought in things that are frustrating. Some of you feeling pain in your body. You're wondering about what's going to happen at the job tomorrow. You wonder if you're going to have a job. What's the next job going to be? You're dreaming about the job after this job, oh, whatever it is. And at some point, he said it's like a thief in the night. God is not going to put on Facebook, FYI. End of September, here's the date. Keep, a, keep an eye out. No, because that wouldn't require anybody to be faithful. But he says, I'm not willing that anybody should perish. I don't want anybody to perish. That's why I gave you my word that is jam-packed with, here's how we got there. Here's what the plan is. Here's what happens if you follow it. Here's what happens if you don't. In the meantime, live like this. It's pretty fair. And the only time we're not going to do that is if we get consumed with temporary things. The only way we're going to get off course is if all the things of this earth, all the feelings and experiences and disappointments and excitement and all the things start to take our eyes off of 
what's eternal. And so if I will just live my life going, oh, you better believe I'm going to go through tough times, frustrating times, bad times, sad times. But no matter what, I'm not going to be here forever. I might be one of the ones that die and get, hey, if I die, I go first. <laughs> no, 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 no. But if I don't, I'm going to be transformed. And I mean, people say it all the time. It becomes cliche. But we literally could be sitting here right now waiting for me to shut my mouth so we can come pray and blink our eyes in a trumpet. Just a trumpet sounds. And I blink in a service. And I open my eyes. And I'm in the clouds with my Savior. At some point, that's going to happen. It's not folklore. This is not just like fictional stories here. It's scripture. And I think we forget sometimes that the goal is not just to grow a church or build a building. It's to be a part of that number so that one day he's the light of the city. There's no more sickness no more pain, no more sorrow, no more dying. There's nothing because eternity has begun. In all the things we're dealing with, physically, emotionally, spiritually, socially, financially, all those things, professionally, don't lose sight of eternity. I invite you to stand to your feet today on this Patriot Day. I celebrate the United States of America. I mourn the lives taken on 9-11 by terrorist activity. I thank the brave men and women who have fought and continue to fight for our freedom. I'm a patriot of the United States of America. I'm a citizen of this great nation. But I understand today that I'm a dual citizen the nation in which I now live and love is just a temporary place. I look at this definition of a patriot. A patriot's a person who vigorously supports their country and is prepared to defend it against enemies or detractors. There are a lot of patriots in the book of Acts and in the early church. Great men and women who vigorously supported their beliefs, who were willing to give their lives for a cause greater than themselves. And today we brought in these problems, concerns, stress, successes, victories, defeats. And we brought them in. But as I close and we begin to find a place to pray today, let me remind you to take heart. God has overcome everything in this world. And just because God lets you go through something in this world, don't despise the process. He's already overcome everything. But he's going to do whatever it takes to prepare us for eternity. His goal is not to make you happy on planet Earth. His goal is to prepare you for eternity. And so come what may, as the old song would say, whatever it's going to be. And that's a hard prayer to pray. And I don't know if we can all pray it, but I challenge you when you find a place in just a moment, can you pray this prayer? God, 
do whatever you need to do to me to make sure I don't miss heaven. That doesn't necessarily mean he's just going to start terrible things in our lives. We might live a whole life that's comfortable and blessed, never have struggles and issues. Great, wonderful. Good luck with that. But Lord, whatever you do, just don't let me be lost for eternity. Whatever you do, God, don't let me lose sight of eternity for things that are temporary. And the things that are temporary can be consuming and addictive and stressful and be right in our face. But we've got to be a church that says, I understand, oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a patriot of this country, but God, I love the United States of America. But don't let me be consumed with all the things of the United States of America. This is not where I'm going to be forever, God. Help me. And I challenge you as you come to pray to just say, Lord, whatever you need to do, don't let me be lost. Help me. I want to make heaven my home. I want to walk the streets of gold. I want to be in your presence. You're the light of the city. I want to be a part of that. I want to worship with the angels. God, I don't want to get lost along this journey. I invite you right now to find a place to pray. To, to hone in your perspective. To remember what really matters. To keep eternity in the in the focus.